Today we are celebrating Father's Day, the day that does honor men as they lead and care for and guide their families on a, a day-to-day basis. You know, it's Father's Day is like Mother's Day. It's not something that you only do one day a year, but it's nice to have one day a year that you set aside and say, this is Dad's Day. And it's the day when you give your dad a gift. Now, I've already heard from one father here this morning whose child reminded them, you need to go and get your gift because there is a gift for all of our dads out there in the sanctuary, all of our men, I should say that, all of our men out in the sanctuary. And yes, it is a very useful gift because it's a gift of candy. And I've already told some of them, if you want to stand around in the lobby and say, I'll trade you a Reese cup for a Hershey bar, then you're welcome to do that. Of course, this child said to their dad, be sure and get your gift because I need that candy. (laughs) That's kind of not the point of bringing a gift to your dad on Father's Day. You want to give your dad a gift. It might be a big gift. It might be a small gift. It might be something store-bought. It might be something homemade. It might be something that you do or somewhere that you go or something that you accomplish together. It needs to be something that's big enough to show him how much you love him and small enough to fit into your hands. It might be a phone call. It might be a FaceTime call. But you want to be sure that you do something for Dad to give him a gift on Father's Day because this is the opportunity to say to fathers, we really appreciate who you are. We appreciate what you've done. We're just so glad that God has put us together in life. Father's Day is a day to give Dad a gift, but the Bible reminds us it's also a day for dads to remember that God has called you to give precious gifts to your family as well. Dad, on your day, men, on our day, we recognize God has called us to be gift givers of the most important kind because the most important gifts you have to give are not things you can hold in your hand. They're not material gifts at all. They are the spiritual gifts that God has commanded us to share with our family. A few moments ago, we read the Shema together. The Shema is a commandment that God gave to his people as they were entering into, getting ready to enter into the promised land and they're getting ready to go in and and claim everything the Lord had promised to them. And it continues to be a prayer that resonates in godly homes today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The Shema was so important that Jesus himself said, this is the greatest commandment. Before you do anything else in your life, love God, walk with the Lord. But you also need to remember this. If that was God's greatest commandment, we need to remember what the Bible says in the verses immediately following that commandment. This is what the Bible says. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. 
Now, if those verses sound familiar to you, that's because I quote those verses every time we dedicate a baby in this church. It is saying to godly men, love God. Love God with everything that's in you. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you make sure you pass that on to your families. How important is it for men to be spiritual leaders in their home? It is a vital word because that's the pattern established in Scripture. Psalm 78, 4 says this, We will not hide them from our, their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Not only that, there's evidence that supports what the Bible has told us all along. Oxford University Press recently completed a four-decade-long longitudinal study of the spiritual habits of 350 families. By the time this study was completed, more than 3,000 individuals were a part of all that was going on. And this is what they discovered at Oxford University. When spiritual faith is effectively passed on from one generation to the next... It almost always involves a personal relationship between children and their fathers and their father's faith. In other words, what Oxford University is saying is this. When children grow up in a home where the dad has a great relationship with the Lord and a rich relationship and a faithful relationship, then in the next generation they say, I want that to be part of my life just as well. Dr. Paul Vitz, a psychology professor at New York University, came from the opposite direction, and this is what he discovered. He discovered, and children who do not have a good relationship with their fathers usually will grow up and as adults reject the faith that their father raised them in. In other words, if I can't love you, I have no need to love your God. What am I saying? I'm not saying that the influence of a father is greater than that of a mother. We all know better than that. We all know the power of a mother's influence. What I am saying is this. When men are serious about their spiritual influence, it makes a generational difference. In other words, you're not just walking with God for yourself. You're walking with God for those who follow behind you. You're walking with God for your children's sake as well as your own. The authenticity of a father's faith is a powerful force. And that leads me to draw three very practical conclusions. One is this. Men who consistently live out their walk with Jesus at home and love their families are some of the most spiritually powerful people in the world. Well, that's impactful, isn't it? Men who allow their families to see their faith and recognize a consistency between what they say they believe and how they live their lives are spiritually powerful people. The second conclusion is this. And men who take their families to church rather than sending them are investing in their eternal future. 
One of the things we have to be really careful about as men is that we don't think it's enough if I send my kids to church. As long as I send them, their mom can take them. I may stay home. After all, I've had a rough week and I'm really tired. Those are the kinds of folks that have children who will grow up and maybe their son will get to be 12 or 13 and he begins to say, you know what, dad stays home. I think I'll stay home too. It's important that you bring your family to the Lord. And then the third conclusion is this, and this is really impactful to me. And if we're going to pray for revival in America, we need to pray for revival among fathers and men. So often when we pray for revival in America, what we say is, we're going to pray that God will change the president's heart or bring a president who's going to be a very godly person and those people who lead on a national level, they're going to change our country. Probably not. What we need to pray is, Lord, on a grassroots level, right where we live every day, God, deal with men. Deal with fathers. Help them to turn their hearts and their lives to the Lord because if those lives change then the nation will change. Well, that is a powerful challenge, isn't it? So, fathers, if all of that is true, what are the spiritual gifts you need to give your children this Father's Day? Well, let me suggest several things real quickly. First this, men, show your children your personal relationship with Jesus. There's no greater gift any father can give than to reveal his personal walk with Christ. I know I have shared this with some groups, but I don't know if I've ever shared this on Sunday morning. If I have, just be kind to me, okay? I, several years ago when my kids were younger, Jamie was probably in high school, Bethany, you were probably in middle school, I thought, you know what? I want to make sure that my kids know the story of my spiritual journey. I want to make sure that they never are able to say, I don't know a whole lot about how my dad came to know the Lord, or came to be changed by the Lord, and came to walk with the Lord. So I picked a night, and I sat everybody down in the den, and I told the story of my spiritual journey. I probably spoke, talked to them for about an hour, and I talked about being raised in church by my own father and mother, and how uh, the Lord had to get hold of me and how the Lord transformed my life and how I used to be one person and now I'm a whole other person and how God called me to ministry and about how the different places where we've served, how I knew why the Lord had placed me in those particular places and how I'd served him in different places. I spoke, I probably talked for about an hour, did I, Bethany? And finally I was done. I had poured out everything that I could do and and I got up and I walked out of the den. And as soon as I left, Jamie looked at his mom and he said, Mother, is dad dying? <laughs> really wasn't my intention. But I think it's important that your family knows. They know because they've not just seen it, they've heard it from you. That you give Christ first place in your life. Kids need their dads to be their spiritual role models. 
Over the years, I've had all kinds of heroes in my life, teachers who impacted me powerfully, coaches who guided me along the way, pastors that I respected deeply, youth ministers who invested in my life. But I've been so blessed because my greatest spiritual role model was my father. I saw a faith that was part of who he was. My dad was a quiet man, but I watched his influence over other people, and I saw the impact of his life. And not long ago, Judith had a patient that came through that knew my dad from back in the days when he worked at the steel mill and talked to her about how the people around him respected my dad. He truly walked with Christ. It was a quiet faith, but it was a rich faith. And I knew it was real, and I knew it was consistent because I didn't just see it at church. I saw it at home, and I recognized that my dad was real in his faith. That's what God calls us to do. Dads, what does the Lord require of you? He requires of you that you commit your life to Christ, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. He wants you to live it out in a committed Christian marriage. If there's anything your children need to see, it is how you live and love your wife. You know, in those years when sometimes my children would get angry with their mother, or argue with their mother, or backtalk their mother, one of the things I would always do when I would hear them doing that is I would say to them, you will not talk to my wife that way. Not your mother, my wife. Because I wanted them to know that when it comes to human relationships, she's first. She's first. There's such a sense of security that comes to a family when they recognize dad is absolutely committed to mom and mom is absolutely committed to dad. Doesn't mean you're always going to get along. Sometimes things are going to get rough. I remember a story about one couple that got into a huge argument and it got so bad that the wife went upstairs, she pulled her suitcase out from under the bed and started throwing clothes in it. And a few minutes later, her husband came up and he pulled his suitcase under the bed and he started throwing clothes in that. And she looked at him and she said, where do you think you're going? And he said, wherever you are. That's what it means to be committed to one another. And then the third thing is this, and create an intentional Christian home. Does that mean every word, every conversation has to be uh, religious? No, but it does mean this. It means the presence of Christ ought to be rich and real in your house. Men, show your children your personal relationship with Jesus. The second thing I would say is this, and lead your children to follow Christ. There's no greater gift you can give your family than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody wants to provide the best for their kids, and you do. You provide everything you can materially and educationally and socially and athletically. You do all you can to help them become strong, capable, confident women and men. That's your goal. 
But the truth is this. If you give them every advantage but do not lead them to Christ, you haven't given them anything. Unless you've given them an eternal relationship with Jesus, nothing else really matters because Jesus is the only forever gift that you have to give. Everything else is going to fade away but not a relationship with Christ. And never forget this, and God has given parents primary responsibility for leading their children to Christ. Now, you've heard me say it before, you'll hear me say it again. The greatest privilege I have in those times when I get to sit down with children who are feeling like it's time to give my life to Jesus, and usually we'll get to sit down and talk, but so many times the best time is when mom and dad have already done all of the heavy lifting. They've already talked and they've already prayed. Decisions have already been made. And all I'm doing is putting the period at the end of the sentence. And it's important, dads, that we remember that really is your job. It's not the pastor's job to lead them to Jesus. It's not the church's privilege to lead them to Christ. It is an honor and a calling that he has especially given to you. Remember what the Bible says? We read it together just a while ago. You shall teach your children in your house through your influence. Fathers, don't let somebody else have that privilege. You lead your children to Christ. And then I would say this, and men, show them your example. Give them a model that they can apply to their own lives. Leading your family to Christ is about what you tell them, but it's also about what you show them. So if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. Your children are watching your life to decide how seriously they need to take Jesus in their own lives. They are watching you to decide, is this something that's really important or not? Is he your most important priority or is he a casual commitment? Is he Lord of your life or a Sunday obligation? Your kids need for you to reveal a faith that they believe can move mountains. Let me tell you a story. 1962. A young son was born to Dick and Judy Hoyt. Rick Hoyt was brain injured at birth. Doctors told his parents he would never be able to move normally or think normally. In fact, what they told them was if he lived, he would be profoundly disabled and he would be completely unable to respond to the world around him. The advice that they gave these young parents back in the early 60s was this. You need to find a place that will take your son and put him in that institution and go back to your other children and move on with your life. The Hoyts were people of faith. Dick Hoyt had raised his family to follow Christ. And they believed this. The Lord will give us the ability to raise our child in a normal and loving home. They refused to believe that Rick would be unable to live a full life. So even though he 
could not control his body and could not respond verbally when he was five years old they began to teach him the alphabet and then other subjects believing that they were feeding information into a truly intelligent mind when he was 10 years old Dick Hoyt found a group of engineers who designed a computer that would allow Rick to spell with head movements 1972 they received the first words that they would ever receive from their son. You know what he said? Go Bruins. Isn't that interesting? As he grew older, he faced many obstacles, but their faith and their determination allowed him to attend and graduate from a normal public school and then to complete a college degree. Rick Hoyt, rather than being dis disabled, became a truly high achiever oh one other thing 1985 rick learned about a benefit run that was taking place for an athlete at his school who had suffered a spinal cord injury it's going to be a 5k he told his dad i want you and i to participate in this race now dick hoyt was not a runner he had never been a jogger never been a runner but he decided you know what if this is what my son wants to do then i will get myself ready to run this two and a half mile race and on the day of the race came he showed up pushing his son in a wheelchair and they ran they finished next to last but they finished they ran another race and then another. Father and son grew stronger. They designed a running chair that they were able to use for these races. They moved from 5Ks to 10Ks until the day came when they were actually able to run in the Boston Marathon. In fact, in the years to come, they would run the Boston Marathon more than 30 times. Then they decided it's time for a new challenge. We're going to do an Ironman triathlon. Distance swimming, distance biking, distance running. Only elite athletes can complete such a grueling challenge. And so Dick Hoyt decided if this is what my son wants to do, that's what we're going to do. And he began to train five days a week, five hours a day. Finally, the day came for this triathlon. They lined up with the others at the starting line and well, instead of me telling you about it, I'd like you to watch it. A reporter asked Rick Hoyt if he ever doubted that he and his father would be able to complete the race. His answer was no. But the important thing is the reason for that answer. This is what he told them. I knew we would finish because I knew who my father is. Because I know who my father is is and fathers when it comes to faith there's no better gift you can give your children than to make it possible for them to say i follow christ because my father follows christ and i know who my father is and the only way you'll be able to do that is for you to be able to say and i know who my heavenly father is so that's my question this this morning do you know who your heavenly father is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ
Dads, have you trusted him as Savior, recognizing that not only is your life in the balance and your eternal hope, but your family is in the balance as well? Maybe today's a day when you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe there's some here and they're saying, because of the influence of my Father, today I follow Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, the truth is I haven't had that kind of relationship growing up, but I know I have a heavenly Father. And I know how much He loves me. And I trust Him. And I want to follow him. Maybe today is the day you want to give your life to Christ. Maybe today is the day when you want to become part of this church so that you can walk with Jesus and lead your family through this fellowship. Maybe there's another decision you need to make. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. As God speaks, you come. Let's stand together. been a good day to spend together in the Lord's house. Let me remind you again, no services tonight so that you can spend time with your dad and dad can spend time with you doing whatever it is that you're going to do together as a family. I'm glad we got to spend this time together. Men, don't forget to receive your gift on the way out. and uh, Just know how much we do love and appreciate all that you mean to our church and to your families. Let's bow together now for our final prayer and then one last song as we dismiss. So, Father, we just want to pray. Help us to be the men of God that you've called us to be, the people of God that you've called us to be. Help us, Lord, to follow you for the sake of ourselves and the generations following us. Help us, Lord, to show Christ through who we are and what we do. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.